I'd like to welcome everyone to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. The intent of the Kitchen Table is to provide a platform where we are able to share and discuss the dynamic world of cognitive science and the specific role it plays in performance. I'd like to introduce our co-hosts, Greg Coughlin and Ron Medved from the Pacific Institute. They have over four decades of experience working with hundreds of organizations on applying cognitive psychology and science. Pull up a chair. Let's get started. There we go. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the kitchen table. Uh, we've had a little bit of a disruptive um, couple months just uh, with uh, life getting in the way of what we do. Today, um, Ron and I would like to, uh, well, I'd like to be able to have you experience um, Ron's life and the journey that he's been on. A um, couple of things that we wanted to focus in on today was one, uh, Ron has been on a, a medical challenge uh, the last several months, and I'll have him tell the story of that. But I'd, but what was more important wasn't just the journey. It was how Ron is a skilled practitioner of cognitive psychology and the tools and the processes that we use, how he used um, his practice to successfully go through a personal health journey that uh, for me, I just can't imagine. And so uh, I'll have Ron tell that story, but also more important and with a more sober and somber um, storyline to it is Ron's also, I'd like to have him talk about his support of his brother-in-law, John, who passed away just recently. And, and the, you know, sort of the, learning that uh, we have through that, but also the importance of how Ron, as a support to John, uh, gave him some tools that enabled him to um, maybe with greater dignity and strength and and uh, uh, go through that life's ending journey. So Ron, I don't know whether I captured it all, but I'm I'm super thankful that you are open to uh, sharing your learnings on on these two reasonably personal stories or personal journeys, but let's for the beginning of this talk about um, your your history on your health and and what have you been up to? Well, you know, I'll try to not make this a grim story, Greg. You yeah. know, I try to make it a happy and upbeat story. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's interesting these. Uh, these surprises, you know, happen in life. Uh, actually, what's what's not a surprise is in 2017, I I had both of my knees uh, replaced. I had knee replacement surgery six months apart, and uh, in uh, in 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 the middle of 2018, uh, I discovered, or you know, with my surgeon and I, we discovered that my left knee had actually gotten infected. As a matter of fact. Um, there was a suspicion that my right knee might also be infected. Now that was a, that was a shock. Uh, and, and, and a bummer, you know, to be, to be frank. Uh, and, um, so I had, to, I had some testing and, and, uh, sure enough, uh, 
the left for sure, the right knee maybe, and uh, I was scheduled for uh, surgery on uh, October 10th of 2018 for my first what's called knee revision surgery, which is they actually take the artificial knee out and replace it with a new one eventually. But anyway, I don't want to make the the whole talk about all of the moves, you know, inside of this, but let me tell you, you know, the big ones, the big moves, the big things will just set the stage. Uh, so I was doing uh, preparation for the operation. You have to, you know, get clearance for operation. And while I was going through uh, uh, clearance, you know, for the October 10th surgery, I, there, there, there was a blip on my EKG and I was sent to a cardiologist. Uh, she couldn't pass me, uh, for surgery. She sent me to another place to have, have testing. And lo and behold, I'm, I had an angiogram and I found out, uh, a week before my knee surgery that I had, a I had, uh, Four, four of my arteries or or, uh, or had ninety uh, percent blockage, and uh, uh, the the doctor came to me and said, uh, "That's the bad news. Uh, the good news is is that we have uh, an opening for you tomorrow morning." Yeah. So I'm ar- I'm already in the hospital, right? I'm already in the hospital, and I say, you know, my family was there with me, and they were like really upset, and I mean, I. I didn't have time to get upset about that. I just said, I'm in, you know, let's do it. So the next morning I had uh, triple bypass surgery. My knee surgery was postponed. And so I had uh, an extra bonus surgery and recovery. Now that took me, that took me uh, seven weeks uh, uh, to recover from that surgery. And then eight weeks later uh, I went back and I had my, my knee revision surgery and, and, uh, and knee revision surgery is is actually a pretty pretty lengthy process. You know, it's three months because they they go in there, they take out the device, they give you antibiotics for six weeks. I had to give myself antibiotics, and then I had to rest for six weeks. Then I then I had to go back into another surgery on March twelfth, and uh, they put in they put in a new new knee, which uh, I'm now you know, two weeks down the road from that. And I have another four weeks of, you know, I've got to stay off, no, no weight bearing, you know, on my knee. So anyway, to sum all of that up and sorry to make that long, but <laughs> it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I've either been, I've had three surgeries in the last, uh, six months. Uh, I've had, uh, five surgeries in the last two years, and uh, I'm now kind of coming out the back end of it. Uh, and uh, I've still got a lot of rehab to do, you know, when I come out. But I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, because Greg, like as you said, I've had a program that I've been working in order to keep the right mindset, and uh, I feel pretty good about that. So I'm going to throw it back to you. Well, let me just uh, so. Two new knees in the 18s, knee revision potentially, heart bypass. And in fact, you, you are unique because you've only got two knees, but you've had four knee replacements. <laughs> True. You know, and what I think for me as a, a passenger, in as you're driving the car, I've been riding alongside, and what has been profoundly remarkable is your your resiliency, your, your attitude, your, 
your your speed of recovery, uh, the what appears to be uh, right now two weeks after the fairly invasive and significant knee surgery. I'm looking at you, and you you aren't wincing in pain, and you're so you you've gone through it in a in a different way than other people that I've known. Come back to just uh, to what it what what a, what would you attribute your you know the success of what you did and how you went through it but just to i was flashing back to the first knee surgery you had and you had an affirmation written that you had on a card that you were affirming uh, right up until this the surgeon and then i think you passed the the card to the surgeon so that he would read the affirmation. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. My, I've heard other people do this, and you know, my wife and I have done uh, done this little little practice. We 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 give the anesthesiologist uh, an affirmation about getting well and healing well uh, just before. Uh, he puts us under the anesthetic. And so we've done that kind of a little family practice, but that's what I did. Uh, and, um, uh, I did that on my first knee replacement surgery, but I must tell you, I haven't done it on the subsequent surgeries just because I wanted to, uh, uh, I don't know, not jinx myself. You yeah. know, so I still have a little bit of superstition left in me. Do you remember that you wrote an affirmation? He, he, as you were falling asleep, added uh, a female or. Well, he was. He, 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 that was that's pretty funny moment. I, I think my affirmation, you know, said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm uh, had a successful surgery and that I'm recovering uh, fast and uh, something like that, and uh, so. He was he was looking at my affirmation in the prep room before the surgery, and he says, "Well, let me read this to you." He says, uh, "I'm happy that I'm recovering fast, uh, and uh, I I now look forward to my life as a woman." <laughs> <laughs> and we all had a we all had a good la- laugh, uh, you know. All due respect uh, uh, to to others, uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, Anyway, there's those an, those anesthesiologists. They're 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 a little little goofy sometimes, and always seem to be always funny. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, yeah, I've gotten to know lots of doctors and lots of nurses and lots of caregivers. I mean, I've got a I've got a, a page, a couple pages in my journal, my personal journal, where I've got photographs of everybody that's uh, all the key people that have taken care of me. So every now and then, I. I go back and I look at that and, uh, and I even add some, even to this day. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that's my care team, you know, so I, I positively, positively affirm them and, you know, have gratitude for all the, all the genius that they, that they bring to the exercise. Yeah. Let me just, if I snapshotted what I recorded, just what you just said is that there's a method of, of in your madness to do that. And just your language of your care team, the genius that you hold. Why, why in your journaling work that you do, why, why did you take pictures and why did you, can you unpack a little bit? If you were sharing your success formula 
through journaling or through affirmations, just the care team, why did you take pictures of them and, and why are you affirming them the way you are? Well, first of all, I mean, I've been uh, journaling uh, most of my adult life. And so just because I had these uh, health issues come up, I'm not going to stop doing my journaling. As a matter of fact, I'm even more motivated to journal every morning uh, because I want to uh, see what I'm learning, you know, from this whole experience. And, and uh, when you, when you journal every day, you know, you, 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 you become aware of things and you have insights about things that you couldn't have thought about the day before or the, or the day before that. So, you know, uh, when we understand how the subconscious works, you know, and how, you know, there's ongoing creativity going on there, uh, when, and after you sleep, you know, when you wake up first thing in the morning, you know, uh, it's time to harvest those insights. And so I wasn't going to stop that just because my life had been interrupted and I now had a new job, you know, which was to have these surgeries and, and uh, get well. So, uh, you know, that's part of my, my thinking on that. I think with my care team, uh, um, you know, a principle that I learned from Diane Tice, uh, and and, uh, when she had uh, issues with uh, recovering from cancer, I mean, she used to always affirm that she, she's the managing, she's the managing director of her care team. In other words, uh, she may have a lot of doctors and experts working for her, but uh, you need to stay in control of being the managing doctor. You know, that's, that's a sort of a novel idea for some people because the, typically we say, well, oh, doctor, doctor, or expert, expert, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Uh, when in fact, uh, it's also, it's been proven. I mean, actually there's been studies on this, that those people that stay sort of in charge and actually difficult patients, you know, even have a longer life expectancy. So, the fact it's very important to sort of keep the accountability for your own health. And so when I look at that page, I mean, I don't know how many people are on there now, probably, um, you know, 15 or so. These are 15 of the key people that are on my team. It gives me, uh, gives me a lot of confidence, you know, to go back and look at that and think about, you know, the expertise that's there and, and, and my own experiences with them. Yeah, and, and just the visual that I get is that you're the managing director, you're the general manager, you're the CEO, and this is your success team. This is this is who you're orchestrating to be able to provide the primary goal of, of great health care for 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 the for you, the organization. And so I can kind of see that. Let me you've said something that I think is worthy of kind of checking into. When you do your journaling, and we, you know, for the listeners, we'll we're working on a on a an article on practice and journaling, and Ron has an article on journaling which I'd advise uh, you to search out. But in your your journey on the on the the health challenges that you had, you continued to even to accelerate your journaling. And you mentioned something that was like it would reveal insights or things that you you might not have been aware of. So is that true? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but you know, you know, go back to the fact, Greg, that my life has been interrupted. I mean, big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that 
the day that I found out that I was, you know, headed into the these surgeries, uh, one of the days anyway, that one that was maybe the most shocking, you know, was uh, the entry in my journal was simply a photograph of a great big boulder in the middle of the road, like you're going down the road and there's there's a big boulder that's in the way, and uh, that that was just a recording, you know, for me, sort of a to, to sort of save a memory of sort of what it felt like, you know, to find myself in that predic- uh, predicament. And the utility of that was in the moment, you know, we talk about in, in examples of how a rock in the road, you have a tendency to focus on the rock. And if you don't look past or around the rock, you run into the rock. You, you were looking at not just a rock, but it appeared to be like a giant boulder. Right. And that, that was my honest reaction, you know, that first day. But then, you know, actually, I think I talked to you about it. I showed you that picture. And, and actually, there's a way where you can look at that big boulder and you can kind of look around it and you can see a little bit under it and a little bit around the side of it. Yeah. And, you know, and just from our for our earlier training, I mean, we know how to not to focus on the on the obstacle or focus on the rock, but, you know, start to you know, snoop around and, you know, look for ways around it. So that, you know, I have that in a, in my journal, that journal is now, you know, that's the last journal I've got, a, I've got a new one now that I'm, you know, I'm working on. So sometimes I go back and I look at that and uh, you know, I also, there's also a page in, you know, that journal when I, when I went through the, uh, the heart bypass surgery uh, there's a page there that it lists looks chaotic very confusing but it's it's a whole collection of images and 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 that represent feelings that represent uh the hospital that i was at because i just i just wanted to do my best to sort of recollect you know what it felt like to be coming out of surgery and have all these tubes coming out of me and and uh you know i was uh, I was in intensive care and and uh, a little goofy, you know, from the medication and everything too. So, anyway, I I kind of I, I captured that moment in the journal, and uh, you know, occasionally I go back and look at that. But uh, uh, two pages before that, or actually a page before that, uh, basically a drawing that I made, I actually drew. I, I had an experience. Uh, I don't know if it was in the hospital or just before I went to the hospital. It could have been the night, but I had the I had a very peaceful image uh, that um, of I, I'm just going to use this as a metaphor of 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 having a guardian angel and having that guardian angel sort of inside of me, uh, keeping me calm and 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 uh, I, I actually had a dream like that and. You know, so the next day I actually drew that dream as as well as I could. It's actually a pretty cool drawing, but it really that that's really significant for me because when I look at that drawing, I, I say to myself, you know, uh, and again, this is according to my own spiritual beliefs. You know, somebody's watching over me. Uh, I've uh, uh, I'm uh, they're very calm. They're very strong. Uh, you know, I, uh, I have, um, guidance 24 seven. And so I can go back and look at that drawing and I can say, you know, when I'm feeling stressed in my normal everyday life, uh, let me remember that moment, you know, just before my surgery, uh, uh, that I got this wonderful strength, you know, and inspiration 
in, in a dream. And, and I, you know, and I, and I think it's, it, it really has aided me in, you know, sort of navigating all of this. Yeah. Well, let me just do that. That's wonderful, Ron. And, and for me, as you're describing the dream, the image, the language of calm and strong, and how you use your journaling, both in sort of real situations of challenges that are real, but then going back and looking at how you got over, through, or around, how you have uh, affirmed calm and comp- calm and strong that somebody is there to to support you. And so uh, I'm assuming that what happens when you reflect back on your your journals from past, you're borrowing from the words, the pictures, the emotions that that manifests, mm-hmm. and you're flipping it forward into your current situation. Yeah, I am doing that. And, uh, but I must add a couple things here that, that were happening kind of simultaneously. Uh, so I felt, I felt really good, you know, going into the heart surgery and even knowing that I had two more knee surgeries to follow that, uh, once, once I got well from the, from the heart surgery. But what also happened is that my, my personal life and my business life, was really seriously interrupted. Uh, and, and, you know, I couldn't, you know, there was, I couldn't romance that too much. I, I was looking at the next six months of not being able to work, you know, like I'm accustomed to working. I'm not, wasn't able to teach. I wasn't able to travel. I wasn't able to sort of be out in the community. So, uh, I mean, I was going to basically be homebound, you know, for the next six months. And, um, uh, and, uh, that, I didn't have answers for that. You know, I didn't have answers for that in terms of like supporting my family and, uh, uh, you know, what's this going to cost me? You know, uh, you know, you have all of these concerns about, you know, is insurance going to cover this? Is what's insurance not going to cover? And so uh, there, there, there were worries there. And, um, uh, and then the other sort of big, um, reality, you know, that I, I couldn't avoid is that, you know, I'm, uh, I, I had to say to myself, at the end of the day, I am, you know, 75 years old. I'm 75 years old. And of course, all of this is going to make you say you're not a kid anymore, and you're not going to live forever. Those are certainly you know, thoughts. But you know, at seven, at looking at my career, and what I wanted to do, I said, like, this is, I had to acknowledge that this is a wake up call. And this is an opportunity for me to sort of rethink what I'm doing, possibly. And um, I got I got short-term work to do in terms of recovering from these surgeries and rehabbing from these surgeries. But I need to give some serious thought now to what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Uh, you, I've got time to think about this. And uh, so those things were going on also sort of all at the same time. Yeah. Well, what I hear out of that is that you were, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of modest thinking the goal, the horizon beyond the horizon. that, And, and in that, evaluating and clarifying and, and thinking through, you know, what is going to create the greatest meaning for me and what I do. So it, it was sort of resetting a, a state of, you know, kind of, of, of renewal. Uh, is that... 
Would you describe it that way? Yeah, that, that's that, that's that's a way. I mean, it uh, rather than have it be a crisis, let's let's talk about it as an opportunity for renewal, or reframing, or you know, recontextualizing. You know what I'm doing. You know, I've got a, I've got a 40 year plus, you know, uh, experience of doing the kind of work that we do with the Pacific Institute, Greg, and uh, now I'm looking at the next five years, the next seven years, because uh, I want to I want to continue to work, or at least that was my assumption at the time. And, uh, you know, should I be should I be thinking differently about that? Should I, in fact, maybe be um, winding down a little bit? Uh, you know, I've never really considered retirement seriously, but then the retirement question kind of comes into your mind and, you know, came into my mind. And I said, like, you know, uh, how do I want to do this? And I, I not, I don't even, I don't need to just think about myself. I need to think about my wife, who's an integral part of my life. And, and, you know, what do we want to do? Uh, and how can we pull it off? And so, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, the thing that the thing that came to me though that I as part of the practice back to the idea of practice is that and, and uh, is the, the the most important thing that I did tactically, Greg, th- through all of this is um, and it sounds simple, but I want to elaborate on it a little bit. I took one day at a time, uh, and again. Um, back to the journaling for a second, you know, I would journal every morning and then I would sort of live my day, whatever, whatever state of recovery and rehab that I was in. Um, but I would spend some time every morning sort of trying to answer the questions of like, what am I going to do next? Or what does this mean to my life? Next morning, I do it again. The next morning I do it again. The next morning I do it again. Uh, and there, and, and now over the last several months, there's been a story that's been unfolding that, uh, you know, that, that, that's not uh, given to me all at once. I've, I've got to make some educated guesses, you know, make some tentative uh, decisions and then sleep on it and then sleep on it again. And then sleep on it again. So there, there's a process to that. And the one day at a time, you know, also keeps my stress level down because, um, you know, I don't need to worry about any, I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Uh, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's an affirmation, you know, that I don't need to worry about tomorrow. I only need to worry about today and what I'm aware of today and what I can do today. And then tomorrow, tomorrow will take care of itself. And, and I call that Greg in our context, uh, defensive thinking. You know, a lot of the times when we're setting goals and, and, and we're going after new aspirations and sort of life is normal, you know, we're on the offensive. You know, we're, we're saying, here's is my offensive game plan. I'm, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to work on my, my consulting practice or I'm, go, I'm going to go look for these kind of clients and, and I've got a business plan, you know, and all of that. That's offensive thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that we can do with our concepts is that we can – we can actually kind of flip them over and we can use the concepts to play defense. Yeah. And, and for me, one day at a time, you know, is a look is quite a bit playing defense. I'm not, I'm not trying to solve all the problems uh, forever. Yeah. I'm just trying to solve the problems for today. Yeah. And I have a positive attitude about that. And again, I, you know, I affirm the fact that 
my creative subconscious is going to give me more ideas and, you know, more solutions tomorrow. Yeah. What night, I mean, uh, what wonderful coaching there, Ron. And I particularly like, you know, um, how you uh, sort of rewind, how you use your journal as a living laboratory for learning. But the, the, the thing that you do so well that I think others would benefit from is the journaling process is a, a is an organic and dynamic uh, practice that allows you to sort of have uh, a laboratory that you can, you can discover things. And so uh, the second part of what you mentioned was just how uh, your attitude towards, and I would categorize it as emotional agility is to, you know, we, we, in, in a healthy state, we would like people to be thinking about the, the horizon beyond the horizon. We'd like people the goal set, not just up to, but through. And so in your definition, that would describe a sort of offense. But what I think you're, you're saying that I think is really important, the agility, the emotional agility to know that there's times in your life where you need to play defense. And one day at a time is good is 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 important as opposed to worrying about this in well into the future. Um, so I, for me, that's a really nice, um, simplistic view from offense to defense, but not apologetic about being def- playing defense. It's very purposeful and pragmatic. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, you did. You, you captured that just right, Greg. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, sometimes you have to play defense in business. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I was in a conversation with one of my clients that that I happened to find a way to squeeze in, you know, during all of this rehabilitation and, and, and recovery stuff. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him about the fact that his industry is changing uh, and, um, he's confused about a number of things and sort of not really clear on what his strategy ought to be going forward. And we ended up talking about defensive, having a defensive strategy and taking it one day at a time. Uh, because if you, if you have like major industry change, you know, it, by definition, you're, you're not going to get it, you know, in one sitting, you're not going to get it in one, one, one study or, or one conversation with somebody, you're going to, you're, you're going to understand what's going on and you're going to develop a strategy, you know, over time. So uh, we talked a lot about my own situation as a, again, as a metaphor for maybe him working his way through the, the, the major change that was going on in his business. And so, uh, and when I think back, I, I've, I've had to do that with other uh, clients over the years, like I've, uh, I've had uh, quite a few clients that were professionals in transition. In other words, they maybe they had been let go from their job, or they had decided to move on, and and uh, or they were they were having a midlife crisis, a healthy midlife crisis, where they they knew they couldn't keep doing what they were doing before, and they needed to do something else, but the something else hadn't shown up yet. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that defensive that defensive application of Pacific Institute curriculum, you know, it comes in very handy for uh, people like that. And and, and so um, so anyway, I'm I'm 
I wasn't I wasn't really aware of all of this in the way that I'm talking to you now but until I got into my own predicament here and I had to use my own had to use my own methods you know to to be my own medicine you know to sort of work me through stuff here yeah. but those are those are some of the big takeaways from you know well, the last uh, 7 months yeah I appreciate that let me just make one comment and then challenge you if there was you know two or three key coaching points that you'd like to reinforce uh, for the listener. But it, before we get there, I, it's, it's just so much like you, uh, in my experience, to use your personal journeys to be able to translate it into utility for your client. And so the middle of your challenge you're going through, you're thinking about, well, how could I use this defensive uh, notion to be able to help my client? And so I just wanted to acknowledge that's just like you to do that. You know, what are we learning from this uh, as lifelong learners? What's, what's this teaching us? How can I, how can I use it to be able to help somebody else? So with that, Ron, and I want to get to the John story because it's such an important and significant story. Uh, anything that if you were, you know, three coaching points on when individuals are going through health uh, challenges, um, either practices or principles, uh, you know, similar to be your managing director of your team was one of the principles that, you know, Diane Tice offered. What would be a couple more? Well, um, I have a whole fresh appreciation of, all the support that's available to me. I think, uh, I think all of us, you know, especially those of us that think we're really self-sufficient, you know, uh, need to sort of step back and say, you know, like we, we, we can't get things done. We can't accomplish things, you know, all by ourselves. I know my, my wife, my mother-in-law, uh, all my caregivers, uh, my family. I mean, I've had family come and stay with me and take care of me. And, um, it's um uh i i just think that um you know there's i've even had dreams come and 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 characters inside of dreams come to support me so uh you know i affirm i'm surrounded you know by well-meaning people uh and i'm and and it's and it's fantastic because you know i there are there are a lot of these people are very caring. I've I've met a whole bunch of nurses, for example, uh, over the months here. Just dozens of nurses and and um, men and women who um, I always try to find out their personal story because um, the thing that's obvious is that they're they're so caring and 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 they're they're committed to their profession. So, um, so I guess I guess this is also just a sort of a, not just a lesson for recovery from surgery or, or from illness, but just a lesson in life is to sort of really be, you know, really step up and, and become keener, keep more keenly aware of the support system that you're around you, the, mm-hmm. all the people, how people care. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the other thing, uh, this is just what comes to mind is, is, um, and again, there's there's research on this, but the 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 patients that survive uh, the best are sometimes they're the they have a difficult side to them. In other words, they're not super compliant. A patient is is uh, 
sometimes you think you got to like let somebody take care of you if you've got to be passive. Uh, you know, you've got to, got to do everything that, that, that the experts tell you, but to main, to be able to maintain a feisty side, you know, to even, uh, sometimes go against the doctors, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, as a general practice, but, you know, uh, being able to make your own decisions and even, um, uh, object and, and, and raise objections, you know, throughout, throughout your recovery when you don't understand something or you, you don't think that you agree with something, but to continue to sort of be your person, sort of maintain that internal locus of control, even when you're, you're, you're totally dependent on a hospital and, 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 and health, care practitioners who literally have their, your life in their hands to, you know, to sort of keep, keep that spunk, uh, is is uh, is really important, and again, I mean, this is something else that transfers to life, uh, and um, you know, especially like uh, Greg, we're uh, uh, we're independent contractors, and so we, you know, we have independent consultancies, and you know, we have to spend so much time thinking for ourselves and be willing to sort of uh, be out there. Uh, making decisions and supporting ourselves without a safety net uh, a lot of times. And I just think that, you know, for, for everybody that's in business for themselves and sort of pursuing their own sort of slant on their profession, uh, you've got to be happy to be disagreeable sometimes. I don't know. I'm looking for the right words to say that I'm generally not a disagreeable guy, but, but, uh, I will, uh, I'm well, hearing that that's really reinforcing the managing director. It's, it's not yeah. the patient, it's the, you know, potential delegation, but you, you, you know, you own it. So let me pause you there and, and thank you, Ron. And just for the listeners, um, you know, I have parallel, acquaintances that are going through different health uh, challenges and, you know, some very successfully and most very successfully. But one of the uniquenesses that I've noticed in terms of Ron's health journey is just a remarkable uh, perseverance and resiliency and, and attitude and optimism. And, and just, it seems to like we would know as has contributed to the rapid rehab that you're going through. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with the Pacific Institute. If you like what you heard today, click the like button, or perhaps share this podcast with friends and family. For more information on TPI or how to get in contact with us, please visit www.tpikitchentable.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next time at the Kitchen Table.